The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, good morning, guys. Uh, welcome to church. Like Jimmy said, my name is Shane uh, from LCC North Lakes, but originally, like you said, from LCC Caloundra. So uh, it is cool to come back here and to preach to you guys this morning. It does feel like a bit of a uh, coming home to, uh, to Lauren and me. So uh, it's more than a privilege to continue this series that we are currently in, going through the book of Philippians, looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And there is, there's so many amazing things that we've already heard from Jimmy and these others that preached uh, so far in this book. There are so many amazing verses and passages. I, I like to call them tattoo verses or, or coffee mug verses. There's just so many of these little one-liners in Philippians that uh, most of us know. Maybe it's Philippians 1.6, for I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ, right? Or maybe it's Philippians 1.21, for to live is Christ or to die is gain. I reckon there's at least three people in here with that tattooed on them somewhere. <laughs> there are so many of these verses, or maybe it's the that, that verse where you're, you're facing the Goliath in your life and you just need that verse. Philippians 4.13, right? Or you're running out into that football field and you just you need a verse just to get through. Well, you all know this verse. Philippians 4.13 it goes like this. I can do all things through a uh, Bible verse taken out of context, right? <laughs> For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But this book has so many amazing passages, so many amazing verses. And then we get to my verse and passage today, and we have 12 verses that seem to be nothing more than just travel plans, right? Paul's saying, hey, like, I want to send Timothy to you, but I'm probably going to send Epaphroditus instead. And so what I want to do this morning is, is, is look at these 12 verses and ask, hey, is this, are these just travel plans? Is this just an itinerary, or is there something that Paul is trying to say to the Philippians, and is there something that God wants us to see in this passage today? So before we get into that, I'd love to just pray again and ask that the Lord would speak through me. Jesus, thank you that we have your word, that your word is living and active. And as we open your word, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts to see and hear what you have for us this morning. Would you speak through me? Would your words land in our hearts? And then would we leave people transformed by your gospel, different to how we came in here this morning, seeing your goodness and your grace all the more? In Jesus' name, amen. So um, back in 2019, my wife uh, Lauren and I, we went on a holiday to uh, Italy. Uh, Jimmy loves to use photos from this holiday as reminders that I'm coming to preach to you guys, and it's super embarrassing, but he does it every time. Um, but before we went... Oh, no. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, when we were trying to figure out like, where we wanted to go, we did a bit of an itinerary ourselves, and we wanted to make the most out of these three weeks or so we had in Italy. And so we planned out our holiday. Like, we, we, we flew into Rome, then we drove over there, then we got a cruise up the coast. We went to Greece, a few of those places, and then we got a car and we drove to everywhere. And we set out this itinerary of exactly where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do. And I was thinking, if somebody was to see Lauren and mine itinerary, right, they would, they would learn something about us. They would learn that we're clearly tourists because we're going to all these places that only tourists would go to. They would learn that we love the beach and the coastline because everywhere we visited was along the coast. But if someone was to find our itinerary, they would learn things about us. And I think as we look at this section of Philippians, 
this itinerary or these travel plans that Paul lays out, I think we learn things about him. But also, I think we learn things about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And so what I want us to do is look at these two men. But before we get into that, I think it's important when we're looking at these letters that we understand this section or any section of Philippians in light of the entire context of the letter. Because they're not meant to be read in isolation. They're not meant to be broken up into nine weeks of sermons in Philippians. They're meant to be read from start to finish. And so I want us to look at what, what have we learned so far? Paul has been highlighting to the church at Philippi what it means to live is Christ and to die is gain. What it means to partner in the gospel, to rejoice in all things. What it means to know Jesus. And he highlights the centrality of the gospel, that Jesus is God. That even though he's in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. We read that at the start of chapter 2. And then he goes on to, okay, in light of this truth, in light of the gospel, how are we called to live? And he calls this a life worthy of the gospel. He says one of the things that as Christians we are called to live is, is have the same mindset as Christ, a mindset of humility. And he gives the example of Jesus, who ultimately humbled himself in obedience to the point of death. And then we see Paul give the example of himself. What does it look like for him to walk in humility? As he goes on to say, even though I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I will rejoice. Paul had the same mind as Christ and he gives himself as an example. Even if I'm poured out, even if I'm emptied for the sake of your faith, I'm glad and I will rejoice. This was a man who, like he writes in verse 4, he didn't look at his own interest but at the interest of others. And so we see here Paul gives this example of Jesus, the ultimate man who walked in humility, and then gives an example of himself. And then we get to these 12 verses about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And what I think he's doing here is putting flesh on this idea, putting flesh on the idea of what it looks like to live a life worthy of the gospel, putting flesh on the idea in the people, in the men of Timothy and Epaphroditus. What does it look like on the ground as ordinary men to follow Jesus, to live lives worthy of the gospel? Because as we will see, Timothy and Epaphroditus, their lives embody all that Paul has been speaking about so, so far in this book. And so as we look at these two extraordinary examples of ordinary men, I, want, I think we're going to see three things. Three things that are marks of Christians whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. Three things that I think we are called to live like as lives worthy of the gospel. And the first thing, I think we need to have Timothy's care for others. Timothy's care for others. I'm going to read this section again. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him or no one like-minded who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I might too will come. So Paul said, hey, look, I want to send Timothy. There is no one like him. He generally cares for you, but, but I can't send him just yet. I've got to see how it will go with me because he's still in prison and he might need Timothy. And so he, he hopes that he can send Timothy and then he hopes that he will come too. And so most of us know, or at least heard of Timothy. There is two books in the Bible that bear his name, First and Second Timothy. 
He was a young man when he encountered Jesus and transformed by the gospel. He had a faithful mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice. We read about them in Timothy. But Timothy was a young man who who met Paul in one of his missionary journeys and joined him in the work of the gospel. He gave up his life to follow Paul, to be Paul's ambassador to local churches as they traveled around preaching the good news of Jesus. He ended up being the lead pastor at the church of Ephesus. This is who Timothy was. And yet right here, Paul says, I have no one like him. I have no one like-minded. Like, that's a big call, right? That's a big call. Why has he got no one like him? Who generally cares for the concerns and the welfare of those at the church of Philippi. I have no one like him who genuinely cares. Why was Timothy special? Because he was generally concerned with his brothers and sisters at Philippi. Like he loved his brothers and sisters in Philippi. That's why Paul wanted to send Timothy. He really wanted to go, but he knew he couldn't because he's in prison. So the next best thing was to send someone he knows genuinely cares. Like actually cares for those in Philippi. Timothy is an extraordinary example of genuine, humble service to the body of Christ. He genuinely cared. Man, I want to be like Timothy. I want Paul to say there's no one like me. <laughs> now, I want to be like Timothy. I want, to, I want to embody his love and care for his brothers and sisters. See, a lot of people pretend to care. A lot of people pretend to love those in the church, maybe for popularity, maybe for status. A lot of people get into ministry for the wrong reason. Maybe they want the stage or the spotlight. Maybe they want the book deal. But, but Timothy genuinely cared for the church. And then, if we're honest, some of us don't even have the time to pretend to care. Like, we live such crazy lives. We're so busy all the time. All we can think about is just getting through the day ourselves, just surviving ourselves. And so we can't even pretend to care. We're just, we're just so focused on ourselves. But Paul says, Timothy genuinely cared for them. He embodied what he wrote in verse 4. To not count himself more significant than others. Not look at his own interests, but at the interest of others. This was Timothy. Do we care for our brothers and sisters in here this morning? Like, do we, do we generally, do we know each other? Do we love each other? Do we look to their interests over ours? Do we look to serve and to love and to care? Do we love one another? And not just like, yeah, I love Jimmy, as if like love and tolerate are synonymous, right? <laughs> That's not what I mean. Like, do we actually love one another in here this morning? Like, I, I, I genuinely love Jimmy. Like, when I hear that he stood up on a surfboard, I'm like, yes, that's awesome. But then when I hear that there's things in his life that aren't so great, my heart breaks. Because I love Jimmy. Do we genuinely love one another? Are we concerned with each other's welfare in here this morning? Like, are we concerned with each other's faith? Are we, are we concerned with each other's struggles, each other's lives, each other's marriage? Are we concerned with each other's joy in the Lord? Like, do we look around the room and go, hey, like, I'm concerned with your joy. I, I think you need more joy in the Lord. How can I help you? How can I pray for you? Like, are we concerned with each other's journeys with Jesus? I think we need Timothy's care for one another. Not just fake care, not just superficial care, but genuine care and love. 
And what's interesting is, uh, especially in our culture at the moment, there's this saying that I think is going around, like, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Or, you know, like, I follow Jesus, I'm all for Jesus, but I just don't, don't like Christians and Christianity. And while there are so many things wrong with that, I think Paul does something really cool here. In verse 4, he wrote, Let each of you not look at your own interests, but at the interests of others. And then here he wrote, I want to send Timothy to you, because I have no one like him who would generally be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest. And what we would expect is, and not the interest of others, but what he says is, and not those of Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is highlighting right here is there is a connection, there is a correlation between caring and loving each other and caring and loving Jesus. And they cannot be separated. As we care for one another, as we love one another, we care and we love Jesus. And as we love Jesus and care for Jesus, we cannot help but love our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's a life transformed by the gospel. There is no separating these two things. Paul said Timothy was concerned with those things of Jesus Christ. And what was Jesus Christ concerned with? The church at Philippi. Jesus loved the church at Philippi. And so Timothy loved the church at Philippi. I think we need to have the care and concern that Timothy had. But we can't do this in our own strength. This is somebody who's been transformed by the gospel. Allowed the good news of Jesus to saturate his life. So Timothy could actually take his eyes off himself and look to others. When we serve our brothers and sisters, we're putting them above ourselves. Because we know that's what Christ did for us as he laid his life down. From the moment Jesus came, he came to serve. And that's why we too can walk in that. Timothy's not an extraordinary man. He's an ordinary man. That allowed the gospel to soften his heart. That freed him from himself. That he might love and care for others. So this morning I think we need to have Timothy's care. The second thing I think we need to see in this and we need to have is both men, both Timothy and Epaphroditus, service to Christ and to the body. To have servant-hearted love and care for each other. Not just be men that talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. Yes, Timothy was concerned, but it said that he had proven his worth. Both of these men lived as though to live as Christ to die as gain. They embodied that. They believed Jesus when he said in Matthew 16, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Both these men embodied that. They knew, they believed in their hearts that if they denied themselves, they will find it in Jesus. To live as Christ, to die as gain. So they served the church. Timothy gave up everything to follow Paul, to be a part of Paul's missionary team. He gave up a life of luxury and comfort to serve Jesus. He laid his life down for the local church. And then we get to Epaphroditus. We read in verse 25, I've thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. He has been longing for you all and has been distressed because he heard that, he, that you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And so I'm eager to send him to you, therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him again, and that I might be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. 
Now, Epaphroditus almost died. Like it says he, he was so ill, he almost died for the service. And what was his service? His service was to Paul, not himself. Like a lot of us will say, yeah, like I'll die for my hopes and dreams, right? Epaphroditus nearly died for someone else. That's a man who truly believed to live as Christ and to die as gain. They could lay his life down to serve others above himself. And even when he was sick, he was distressed. Not because he was sick, though, but because his brothers and sisters in Philippi heard that he was sick. So he was distressed that they heard. Like, how crazy is that? He was so distressed that his brothers and sisters were distressed. Like, when I'm sick, all I can think about is me. You can ask my wife. And when I'm suffering and in pain, the only thing that's going through my mind is, how do I get out of here? But Epaphroditus, he did all things for God's glory. His eyes were not on himself and his situation. He had a heavenly perspective. He truly believed to live was Christ and to die as gain, that if he died, all the more glory to the Lord, that one day he would be with his Savior in heaven. So he was happy to do what the Lord was calling him to do, to walk in obedience. The cool thing about this is if we all live lives laying them down for others, if we all live lives serving one another, caring for another, loving one another, what happens is we go from lives just focusing on ourselves, because if we just focus on ourselves, if everyone here just focuses on themselves, you have one person looking out for you. But if you take your eyes off yourself and you start to love and curve and serve and lay your life down for those... Yeah, you're no longer looking out for yourself. But you have a body of Christians, of brothers and sisters, looking out for you as you are looking out for them. This is what it means to lay your life down for others. It's a joyous moment that we get to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. It's all for our joy. Both Epaphroditus and Timothy, they just wanted to follow Jesus. They just wanted to be like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? laid his life down for us. These are two men that embody what it means to live lives worthy of the gospel, to care, but not just in word, in deed, to serve humbly the body of Christ. My wife and I, we felt this most uh, last year. We had, we had a tough year. We had some loss and grief, and, and we felt more than anything our brothers and sisters come around us and love us and serve us when we just didn't have the strength to do anything. And what it did to our faith, to our hearts, made us praise the Lord, thank the Lord for our church. Men and women who were still going through their own things, but trusted that Jesus was greater. Men and women who were freed to then love and serve us, and we were so grateful for that. What if we were a bunch of people that laid our lives down for each other? Like, like generally laid our lives down for each other. Sought, how can I serve my brother and sister in this room? How can I serve my brother and sister during the week? How can I put their interest above mine? And again, the only way we can do this is through the strength that we get from the Holy Spirit. We ask God, hey, help me. Help me take my eyes off myself that I might love and serve those around me. And then I think the last thing we see is Epaphroditus' ministry, his gospel ministry, his significant gospel ministry. Firstly, we don't know a lot about Epaphroditus. 
But uh, we, we do know some things from this letter in the Philippians. We know that he was from Philippi originally. But we know that Paul calls him a brother and a fellow worker and a soldier and a minister and a messenger. Like, this man must have done something pretty good, right? For Paul to say, he's my, my fellow brother and my soldier. He goes on to say to the, the church at Philippi, hey, I'm going to send him back, receive him with joy and honor such men, honor this man. Like, what did he do? It must have been something amazing. And the cool thing is we actually read about what he did in chapter 4. Paul writes this, 4 verse 18, I have received full payment and more, and I am supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me. Epaphroditus was a mailman. The church at Philippi put a care package together for Paul, maybe with some money, maybe some clothes to keep him warm, something to ride on, maybe a small flat white, and sent it to Paul. And Epaphroditus was the guy who carried it. To the world today, Epaphroditus was an Uber driver, right? But to Paul, he was a fellow brother in Christ. He was a worker in the gospel. He was a soldier fighting the good fight, facing the same trials that Paul was facing. And he was a messenger and a minister to him. Paul's saying, that is significant gospel work. He wasn't just a mailman. That is significant gospel work. Sometimes we think we need to be on a stage or be a pastor or speak to thousands of people to do significant gospel work. Sometimes we think we need to write a book or run a conference or something to do any kind of ministry. And it's just not true. The more I follow Jesus, the more time I spend in his word, the more I'm convinced that Jesus isn't looking for world changers or planet shakers. He's looking for humble, obedient servants who follow him and are desired to lay their lives down for one another. Because through men and women who are transformed by the gospel, Jesus will change the world. I'm convinced more than ever that Jesus is building his church off the backs of men and women like Epaphroditus. Humble, ordinary men that are faithful, that are obedient, that just want to follow Christ in whatever. So if you're here this morning and you help set up, that's significant gospel work. If you're clicking those slides at the back, that is significant gospel work. For those in kids' ministry, that is significant gospel work. If you welcome someone this morning, that's significant gospel work. You don't need a stage or a microphone or a platform. If you're obeying Jesus, no matter how big or small, it's significant gospel work. And I don't think we will ever see the effects of what we do here on earth. We'll never see the eternal effects of our service to the body of Christ here on earth, our service to Jesus. Epaphroditus, he was faithful in taking the package to Paul, right? And he probably thought that was a good ministry, taking that package to Paul. I wonder if he knew how important that home trip was back to Philippi. As he went back with his scars and his stories and a letter to the Philippians. Because we don't just have Philippians because Paul wrote it. We have Philippians because Epaphroditus took it back to his hometown in Philippi. Without Epaphroditus, we don't have the book of Philippians. 
We don't have 2,000 years of God working through this letter to transform lives. Because of Epaphroditus' journey home, the world has never been the same. Do you think he knew that? He was just obedient and humble and followed the Lord. Maybe he thought that the journey there was good. It was the journey home that changed everything. If you're in here this morning, no matter how big or small your service is, it is significant gospel ministry. And so we are just called to trust that Jesus will work through it. Because we might never see how significant our service is, but that's okay. Because we know that Jesus is using all things for our good and his glory. And as much as Paul tried to highlight these two men as great examples in the faith, Timothy's concern, Timothy's care, his love, Epaphroditus' sacrificial life laid down to get sick just so he could take this package to, to Paul. Paul always redirected everything back to Jesus. His focus was always Christ. He hoped in the Lord. Like that was Paul's way of saying, hey, if it's your will, God, I'm, I'm keen to send it. If not, Paul didn't want to do anything but follow and trust Jesus. And I love even as he writes about Epaphroditus being sick, he said, but God had mercy on him. And not only in him, but also in me, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow. Even as Paul sits in prison writing this letter, he can see God's mercy. Mercy in that he healed his friend. He's still in his situation. He's still locked in prison. But he said, man, God's good. God had mercy on me in that moment. As Christians, we have received mercy upon mercy upon mercy every morning, new mercies, primarily through the person of Jesus Christ. See, Epaphroditus wasn't the only one who was sent to deliver a message. God sent Jesus to earth to walk amongst us. He didn't just nearly die. He ran towards death for you and me. He went to the cross. He took the punishment for our sin upon himself, that me and you might be free, free from our sin, free from ourselves, free to take our eyes off ourselves and place them on others to love others, to care for others, to be concerned with others, that we might lay our lives down knowing that our lives are now in Christ. And then he rose from the grave that one day we might to rise with him in eternity. And that's what Paul is saying. Yeah, Timothy and Epaphras, let's, let's imitate them. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He was our true example of what it means to live humbly, to be sacrificial, to love one another. So this morning, I want to encourage us. Let's have Timothy's care for each other. Like, as we go out of this room, let's not just forget this. Let's see, how can we love and care for one another? Maybe it's turning to someone this morning and say, hey, like, how's your faith going? How can I be praying for you? How's your marriage going? How can I be praying for you? How's work? How's your finances? Is there anything I can be praying for you? Maybe it's just getting to know someone in here that you don't know. And then asking God to help you take your eyes off yourself and love others. Because the only way any of this is possible is if we allow the, the gospel to transform our lives enough that we continue going back to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus died for me. 
how might now I die for those around me? This is the only way any of this is impossible. If you're a Christian this morning, I want to encourage you. Keep loving your brothers and sisters. Keep following Jesus. Keep believing that to live is Christ, to die is gain. Because we have a promise in Christ. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, I want to encourage you. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. He loves you, and he has proven that. That in his love for you, he went to the cross for you. In the midst of your sin, he died for you. And he loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. So turn to him, trust in him. But in all, as brothers and sisters here this morning, I want us to see that as we live like that, there is joy upon joy upon joy. C.S. Lewis writes that joy is the serious business of heaven. Paul wants to send Timothy, why? For his joy. He wants to send Epaphroditus back, why? For their joy, for his joy. It's all about joy. Joy in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So be encouraged this morning that actually as you lay your lives down, as you serve, as you care for one another, your brothers and sisters, there is joy. I truly believe that. There is joy in living a life worthy of the gospel. Knowing that, hey, you don't have to look out for yourself because Jesus is looking out for you, but you also have brothers and sisters looking out for you. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church, located on the Sunshine Coast. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.